give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Oh, we bless your name today, Father. How many can give God praise? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. May God bless you this morning. have children's church we're only going to send the four to six and the uh, nursery four to six and nursery they're going to head out in this direction four to six and nursery the rest of us we are going to be reading out of scripture in a minute we're going to be reading out of second chronicles chapter five Being able to present ourselves before the Lord in prayer, it's, it's huge for Pastor Jay and I. And this is why we, we have been so insistent about this altar being completed. Because the longer you stay removed from coming and bowing before your Lord and Savior, you take a different attitude and position before him. You understand? Now, those of us that are not able to kneel, the Lord knows that our hearts are kneeled before him. He knows that. But there are so many of us that can't kneel and don't. And so there's something that you need within yourselves to be able to find yourselves drawn to the altar of God. You need that. And our sister Jari. I wasn't even going to do this right now, but I'm going to do it right now. Our sister Jotty, Elder Jotty, she found the old Cyber Building Fund Church. See? Because I was going techie. And I was saying, okay, we're going to put up a picture of the church. And 
As our pledges come in, we're going to start coloring it in. But she found. She found the, the old building fund. It even says it, building fund on the side. And as, I, as I'm sitting in service today, that verse comes to mind that said, you know, that this one thing God had against the children of Israel was that they took care of their homes and his house was in disrepair. That verse came to me while I was sitting there, or standing there. And so Sister Jotty had every intention of cleaning this before we put it out for the congregation because we want you to have a visual of what God is going to do. And I texted this morning and I said, you know what? We're not even cleaning it. We're not dusting it. We're just putting it out as it is. And she says, cobwebs and all. Yeah, I said cobwebs and all. Because as we continue to repair God's house from the inside out, God is repairing your temples because don't you know that you're a temple of God, the scripture says, and that the spirit of God dwells in you. And so as God is repairing your temple from the inside out, we're going to start fixing this little house here as well. And you're going to start seeing a transformation in this little house as our pledges come in to bless God's house. So, wasn't even going to do this part. Let's do it all. Those of you that did not come to the meeting that we had to talk about this house, right? Raise your hand because I'm going to put an envelope in your hand right now. So if you didn't come to that meeting and you missed it and you're a member of this church or you're an adherent, you're here all the time, raise your hand because you're going to get it. And it's going to give you all that information that we gave out at that meeting because we don't have time to go through all the information. But we had a luncheon. And everyone was given a pledge card. Now, there's some over there, too. Now, from those pledge cards, we got four back. Look at my fingers. One, two, three, four. Right? We need to fix God's house, and we need to start it right here at this altar. And we're moving forward. Oh, yes, we are. We're moving forward because we want this area here to be one that you want to feel drawn to it. Drawn to coming. Don't be afraid of what happens up here. Why are we so afraid? We talked about this last week. This was part of the message last week. Right? Gabe, you can move the house back. You're going to be seeing this house all the time. Oh, yes, you will. It's going to be right over here. You can look at it whenever you want. Your pledge cards, there's a little slit right on the top of it. Put your pledge cards in there. You've had plenty of time to think about your pledge. Think no more. Put your faith in action. Pledge cards. It's not about... Listen, listen to this. You know, when, when the children of Israel would take sacrifices, they would take an offering to God's house. Some people could afford that lamb. Some people could even afford the bull. But some people could only afford a dove and grain. 
And so God made provision for everyone. So it's not about the, your Ramon as much as it is as your heart. And so he made provision. But God also knew who came with a grain offering when they could have given the bull. And God also knew who came with a dove when they could have given a lamb. Am, am, I, am, I, am I coming across to you in this? God knows each and every one of us. And so God knows what we can and cannot do. And he wants you to come at where you can come in, whether it's grain, whether it's dove, whether it's lamb, whether it's goat, whether it's bull. He wants you to come in where he knows you can come in to bring repair to God's house. That's just what it is. And that's part of our, the scripture says that it's part of our offering unto the Lord. You know? When I think about the things that we put money into, we're sitting there and we're singing worship. I say, gosh, it's almost like in the dentist's office where you're pulling teeth to get people to worship. And yet, you know, you'll look at those scenes on television, you know, where they're having these huge con uh, uh, concerts. Who knows where I'm, where I'm going with this? Oh, you, you see where I'm going. And the people are just on their feet. They're screaming. They're waving their arms. And I'm saying, what exactly are they getting out of these concerts? A moment of thrill, a song they recognize, a three-minute song they recognize. They get nothing out of it. You go home with empty pockets and empty hands. We come and worship God. And the beauty of worshiping God is that you never go home with empty-handed. Your worship goes up to the Lord like fragrant incense. He receives that. And he showers upon us blessing. So how can I go and scream my head off on a football game? How can I go and scream my head off in a baseball game? How can I go and scream my head off in a concert? But when I come to God's house, I have to measure what I give him. Now, I want to measure what I, get, what, what I give him, and I want to give him the least that I can give him, but I want the maximum blessing from him. Who, who's, who's getting what I'm saying? I hope I got one person. Otherwise, I, pe I, I preach to myself. I ain't got no problem with that. I will preach to myself. I give God peanuts, but out of that, I want major, major blessing. And then we don't even understand that. What it is that we bring to God's house. I'm going to read my verses now. So I don't have, so nobody has to give me the stink eye that I'm, I'm going on and I haven't, I haven't read my verses and I haven't said my message. Well, the message started from when I started talking about the house. See? Let us move on. I'm reading, right? Didn't I tell you I was reading out of 2 Chronicles chapter 5? We're going to start in verse 11. Let me recommend you read the whole chapter. Please. The one before and the one after. And we read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions. And all the Levitical singers, huh, 
All the Levitical singers. All the priests had to be Levites, but not all the Levites were priests. Right? I told you that before. And all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Hernan, or no, Heman. Look, Hernan, I almost put you in the Bible here. Heman and Judathan, their sons and kinsmen, arrayed in fine linen with cymbals and harps and lyres, stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. Oh, put your finger right there. Symbols are loud. Trumpeters, even louder. So if you think that sometimes we're a little loud here in the sanctuary, what are you going to do in heaven? What are you going to do? Are you going to look for that little section that maybe is the farthest away from the trumpeteers? I think not. I think every corner, every inch of heaven is going to hear every instrument at the same pitch and volume. Oh, yes. I believe that to be so. And listen, this organ over here, put your finger there. I'm getting back to the trumpeteers. This organ here still sounds incredibly beautiful. We had the organ folks here the other day as we're talking about this altar and how, you know, we want to we wanna preserve the history and the beauty of this instrument. See? Please don't think because it's an organ, that's, an, that's old-fashioned, that it doesn't have beauty before God. This thing sounded so beautiful. Nettol and I, we sat all the way at the end over there, and we were just listening to the sounds of the organ. And the beauty of it is unbelievable. See? And so, I was listening to that organ. I was saying, we're going to be hearing that sound in heaven for sure. We are. And I believe we're going to hear the guitar. And I believe we're going to hear the bass. And I believe we're going to hear the, what are these things? Bongos, congos, what are these things called? Bongos? Congas. Wait, percussion. What are they called? Congas. In English? Or is that a Spanglish? These things. Drums right here. There. Right? I believe all of these instruments are going to be in heaven. Congo is a nation. Yes. Congas. I think there's another name for that. But I... Hmm. All of these, all of these, because I think God takes pleasure in hearing musical instruments with notes that go up to worship him. I believe that. I believe it. Where was I? Trumpeteers. And it was the duty of the trumpeteers and the singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, there it is, in praise to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. 
so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Wow. You got a visual when you read the word of God? When you read the word of God, don't just read it like it's a book. It's a living word. And so when you read the word of God, see it, go into it. If you can't pray for that, say, Holy Spirit, let me be able to see this word and get into this word that I'm, that I'm reading right now. Because it becomes real to you. It becomes something you could touch and feel when you're able to get into the word of God. And so here we find the priests. And last, and last week, we left off right at the incense. Right? We're talking about the incense. Our prayers going up. And we read Psalms uh, 141. And, and it said, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So when you come to God's house, when you're lifting up hands, you're offering a sacrifice. You're offering a sacrifice, okay? Now, Pastor Jay said, I, I have right now two tennis elbows, right? And when I come to the house of the Lord, sometimes I can't eat. You see how I got this mic like this? <laughs> I can't move it from there. But you know what? When I come to God's house and I feel the presence of God and his anointing, I start like this, and then I find, anybody know what I'm talking about here that comes in mad pain? I start like this, and this, this little arm goes up a little higher, and then before I know it, it's up there, and I say, God, what a sacrifice I'm offering today, and the Lord says, and I'm bringing it back to you with anointing, and I feel the balsam of the Lord over my arm, and I'm waving it, wave offering, we're like a wa wave, wave to me, wave offering unto the Lord. The wave offering into the Lord. Listen, this is how we present to him our sacrifice. It says it right here, our evening sacrifice. Oh, Lord. How wonderful and glorious is that? If you don't know what to pray about for yourself when you kneel down to pray or you, you lay to pray or stand to pray, whatever you're able to do, let this be your prayer. Learn this verse and recite it. Oh, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Oh, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. Let me not pray foolish and silly things, but, Lord, let me pray. Let my prayer be something that is pleasing unto you, and let it be as incense before your presence. What was that last song you just sang? Um, uh, the, the, the bride, the, uh, what is it? The spirit and the bride. And then there's that, there's that section in the song where it says, breathe on us until you come, right? Breathe on us. See, and I'm sitting there and I'm getting a visual. Book of Genesis, when God breathed of himself into the nostrils of man, right? I said, wow. He breathed into the nostril of man, and now he does this. See, because once you breathe out, you have to breathe in, right? And so God breathed out into the nostril of man. And then he goes, it's like when you pick up that little baby, right? And you just want to sniff them all up because they smell so fresh and new. They, they smell new. You know what I mean? 
They ain't running around, sweating, smelling all sweaty or nothing like that. They just smell so fresh in you. You want to sniff up their hair and you want to sniff them all up. Oh, they smell so wonderful, right? Those of us that have been kids, you know when you got that doll, that first time you got your baby doll? Oh, come on, girls, those of you that are with, that are with me here. You got your first baby doll, and you take her and you sniff her, and she smells like plastic. All right? You're sniffing her all up. Oh, my baby doll, she smells so new. Ah, you pick up those babies, and you... That's what God does with us. He breathes into us. Breathes out. Breathes out into us. And then he inhales the fragrance of our praise and our prayers. See? And it goes up just mixed with that wonderful aroma of incense. Eleven ingredients. One incense. Incense only burned in God's house. Burned in the altar of incense. You couldn't sacrifice any animals on the altar of incense. The animals were sacrificed outside of the temple grounds. The animals were sacrificed. Let me remind you, Jesus was sacrificed outside of the walls of the city of Jerusalem. You see Jesus all through the scripture if you read it. Jesus sacrificed. And so in the altar of incense, four horns, one on each corner, were on the altar of incense. And the scripture tells us that it was placed directly before the veil that went into the Holy of Holies. So every time a priest was going to walk into the Holy of Holies, his, he was totally surrounded by the scent of incense. And the incense went into the Holy of Holy, and it took away the scent and the stench of the sacrifice. See? Now, I told you last week, I was reading from Jeannie Wilkerson's book, Prayer General. I was reading from her book. And one of the things she says is that God does not like the scent of flesh in his sanctuary. And that's why everything is so overwhelmed with the smell of incense that he himself created. And so when, when you think about that altar of incense, no sacrifice could be held on it. It was just for incense. But what lit up, this is what lit up the fire on the altar of the incense was the fact that they would get the fire from the altar of sacrifice. You got to follow this. Don't, don't get lost. Come along. They would get the fire from the altar of sacrifice and bring it and light up the altar of incense. There's a reason for that. That our sacrifices may come up to the Lord as pleasing unto him. And then once a year, when they had the Day of Atonement, when the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies to present himself for the people, and the people were forgiven of their sin through the sacrifices and the prayers, they were forgiven of their sins for one year. That's it. One year. 
And then every year they had to go back and they had to put the sacrifices back in and they had to make the prayers all over again because they need it for another year. And so God in his mercy on the cross of Calvary rent the veil. Incense now goes in and out freely and we have access to God. Access to his storehouses, access to his blessings, access to his ears so he can hear us directly. We don't have to go through any other person. We go directly to God. And the scripture tells us that anything that we were to ask in the name of who? Jesus. Jesus would be given to us by the Father. Anything that we asked in the name of Jesus. He didn't say in the name of Buddha. He didn't say in the name of Confucius. He didn't say in the name of Hare Krishna. He didn't say in the name of nobody but Jesus. Jesus. Name above all name. Jesus. Wars have been fought because of the name of Jesus. Lives have been changed and transformed because of the name of Jesus. We have access to God and everything in heaven because of the name of Jesus. We're able to love one another and exchange also love those that don't even know him because of the name of Jesus. Whose name signifies love. It means love. He's all love. Wow. Jesus. Look, I want to read you another verse. It's about prayer. We said, let all of our prayers be counted as incense. So there is a need for you and I to have time of prayer with God. We need to pray because prayer is conversations with God. I went to, I went to preach at the, uh, my sister's church. It's, Spanish church. And I was talking to them about this. I was talking to them about having conversations with God. See? The scripture tells us that we should pray without ceasing. Well, how are we going to do that? How are we going to be praying 24 hours a day when we have kids to take care of, we have a job to do, we have a house to tend to? Yeah. How, how are we going to pray 24-7? You have to be so attuned to the Holy Spirit of God. You could be doing your groceries picking out your cans or whatever it is you do, your produce, produce, cans, right? And a name of someone will come into your mind. And you're not thinking about that person. You're looking at your shopping list. You're not looking and thinking about anybody else. And a name will come of someone. You're washing your dishes. This happens to me all the time in the sink. Washing dishes and a name will come of somebody in this congregation. And the Lord will say, pray. And as I'm washing my dishes, I'm praying before the Lord. Because your spirit has to stay awake and alive, alert. Alert to what the spirit tells you. You could be sleeping at night and somebody's name pops in your head. You're sleeping. You're not thinking about anybody. And you wake up. The spirit of God is alive and alert inside of you. And it's telling you, you have to pray. For this individual in this situation right now. Not later, right now. 
And when you've lived that experience, we've lived that experience, and I tell everybody about it, you know, we came out of a session, Pastor Jay and I one day, and I I was in that session, I don't know how, for like an hour and a half, and I was in terrible pain, left there, I could not sit, stand, walk, whatever, we go to the hospital, they tell me that I have some type of cancer. In my ovary, I had to go to surgery. And so we didn't even have think of calling anybody or have time calling anybody. But the Spirit of God started waking up. Prayer partners within the congregation. If you're not a prayer partner, you need to get on the list because that encourages you to pray. Right? We didn't call anybody. We didn't think of it. They started waking up. Two o'clock in the morning, waking up, waking up each other, starting to pray, interceding. We don't know what for, but the Lord is telling us we have to pray, get up and pray. When I go into surgery, they can't find it. But you know why these things happen? Because there's a group of people that united as one begin to pray on behalf of a situation. And this is why we have the prayer partner network that goes through. And, and thank God for Wanda, who's the one that uh, sends out little alerts and tells you this and this is, needs prayer. This person needs prayer. This individual has an emergency right now. And wherever we're at, you know, we shoot up a prayer to the Lord, but we all coming together. Prayer is important. That's conversation with God. You cannot have a relationship with anyone if you don't talk to them. Do you understand? You can't have a relationship with your wife or your husband if you don't have dialogue. If you just put a, let's take a piece of duct tape and put it on your mouth and walk around all the time and don't talk to anybody and tell me what relationships you're going to have. You have to have conversation. And there's no better conversation than godly conversation where you are speaking God's truth into somebody else's life, into your children. Oh my goodness, your children are lost, they don't serve the Lord. Then you have to ask yourself, am I speaking enough life into these children? Am I speaking life into them? You have to. Whether they want to hear it or not, whenever the opportunity comes up, oh, I got a window, a window of opportunity. I'm going to stick my foot in there and I'm going to tell them a thing or two about God and what the word says. Taking advantage of these opportunities. Prayer is vital. Revelations chapter 8, verse 3 and 4 tells us something important. Revelations chapter 8, verse 3 and 4 tells us and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer do you remember last week the two sons of Aaron they came with their own censer right he came with the golden censer and was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. You're getting how important prayer is to God and to you? Because you need to have a live connection to God. If you're not praying, and you know what the thing is about us as people? That we know when we ain't right. We know when we ain't right and we don't pray for our own needs, we're calling people that we know pray. Oh, come on, you know what I'm talking about. We're calling people that we know pray and say, can you pray for me? Can you pray for my situation? 
Can you pray for my appointment? Can you pray for my marriage? Can you pray? We're asking people to pray because we know we ain't right. We know that we don't have conversation with God. It's almost like you have, you know, you don't have conversation with an individual and all of a sudden you show up and you tell them, hey, um, we don't really know each other, but I need a major favor from you. And they're like, "Eh, where you coming from? I don't know you from Adam. I don't know who you are. That's how we are. We don't bring up any prayers before the Lord. We don't have anything banked. So when we have an emergency, we're hunting down somebody that will pray. When the Lord says, just bring your petitions to me. Bring them. Bring them. And so we have to develop this lifestyle of prayer. Pray for your children. Let me tell you, God, every time, told me when my kids were up to no good. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And there's times, even now as adults, I will tell my husband, something's in the air. Something is going on with one of our kids. Don't know anything. I start to pray and the Lord gives revelation. He gives revelation. And when they were small and they were young, living in my house, I knew when they weren't, I said, mm-hmm, mm, I'm going to pray. Mm-hmm. Give revelation, Lord. What are they up to? And they would come, and I'd be, I'd be ready. I knew already. Mm. I said, you know, the Lord, the Lord told me something was up with you. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, put the fear of God in your children. Put the fear of God and let them know I may not be around, but I have someone that's watching out for you. Mm-hmm. I may not be in school with you, but I have somebody watching out. I may not be in your part-time job, but guess what? I got somebody watching over you. I may not be at that baseball game you told me you were going with your friends, but turns out you didn't really go to that baseball game, but you went somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I have somebody watching over you. Present them before the Lord and let them know that God is watching them. Oh, and I'm waiting because I'm going to do this with my grandchildren too. Oh, yes, indeed. Wait till they get a little older. I'm going to be telling them, "Uh uh-huh, God's watching you. Like even now, I'm always telling them, why are this person doing that? Baby, they need Jesus. Now they tell me, that's because they need Jesus, right? Oh, yes, they need Jesus. That's why they're doing those things. We don't do those things when we have Jesus. It's important for our children to know that not only do we pray, but we believe in the power of prayer. Prayer can move mountains. Prayer, your mountain in your life, only prayer could move it. You have situations going on in your home. Man, you should be the first one over here, even if we don't got the rail up yet. I would be, I have situations going on in my home. I'd be right here, right here, offering up prayers in incense up to the Lord. I'd be praying. I'd be seeking his face. I'd be coming on time so I don't miss one point of what goes on in the service. Unless you're working. I understand you might come late if you come from working. But if you're just coming from home, you know how, you, you know how this is when you go to a doctor's appointment? If you're 10 minutes late, they make you reschedule. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But you will sit there for one hour waiting for that doctor. 
And I would like to reschedule them sometimes. If it didn't take you three months to get back in. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You go 10 minutes late, they make you reschedule your doctor's appointment. We come to God's house and we miss the first part of it. The first part of coming to the service is having that opportunity like a priest that you're supposed to be holy priest. Coming into God's house, presenting yourself before the Lord and asking the Lord to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You heard what I read? That all the priests that were present had consecrated themselves. So we come before the Lord and we ask the Lord to give us clean hands. So you could raise up your hand without going. Did anybody see what I did last night? So you could raise up hands before the Lord, clean hands, that when you praise him, all the foul language you said over the weekend, guess what? You better cleanse that mouth before you open it before the Lord. Cleanse your mouth, cleanse your heart so that you're ready to receive the word of God that's coming your way, that you're able to receive every single worship song that is sung. You need time to consecrate yourself before the Lord. Don't just jump into a worship song, right? If you were able to get here early, you should be on time. Get here early enough to present yourselves. Are you a royal priest or not? Oh, where's the pin? I'm going to start bringing a visual of the pin. The Bible says that we are royal priests. And if we are royal priests... We better start acting like royal priests. And we better start coming and consecrating ourselves before the Lord. And if we want to see the glory of God, we better start bringing up our praise and our prayers in one accord. What did it say here? They were in unison. In unison. Giving praise and thanksgiving. See? Don't miss the beginning. What happens when you're late to work? Well, we don't even dare get late to work. God forbid I get late to work, but we have no problem being late to God's house. Some of us get docked if we're late. Isn't that so? You're, you're, you're late 15. I, I used to remember this all the time. You know, they would give you this 15-minute grace period, and everybody thought that was 15 extra minutes, so everybody would be punching in at 7.13, Seven, and it's, you have 15 minutes. We start at 7 o'clock. 7.13, 7.14. Like, seriously? That grace period is if you had a car accident. If something happened to you, not every day coming in at 7.13, 7.14, right before that 7.15, I got a clock in. Oh, we, the same way that you're responsible with material things, you're working in that place today that you love so much. Guess what? When you retire, they already got your seat. They don't even let your seat cool down. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your seat is not even cold. They already got another body in it. We give so much of ourselves to, to, you know, to, to, to worldly things. You'll drop dead in your job. And you know what they do? Let me tell you. They walk over your body and look for the next candidate. It is a reality that we're dealing with a secular world. 
The secular world is not going to care about you the way that God does. He takes care of us even when we're not 100% doing right. Am I right or am I right? Right? Right. Gino Jen Jennings, right? Am I right or am I right? God takes care of us 100% even when we only giving him 60 or 75. He watches over us. But what we're lacking when we don't give God our 100% is we are not able to maximize the blessings that God gives us. Because God will absolutely keep us and protect us. What he does not watch over is our potential. He's given us our potential and we have then the responsibility to maximize our potential. God fills us, each and every one of us. He's given us gifts and abilities. But you know what? You're responsible for those gifts and abilities. What you're doing with them and what you're not doing with them, you will have to give account to God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that. We think that when we come to Jesus, that's it. We come to Jesus. We're saved. That's it. I could lay back, rest myself. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But we forget that we're going to have to appear ourselves before the Lord. Not in the judgment seat, but we're going to have to appear before God. And we're going to have to give account to God for the things that we did and we didn't do. And trust me, there's going to be a lot of tears up in heaven. The scripture tells us that God will wipe away all of our tears. Because he, he knows us. That's why the scripture says... In, in the little you've been faithful, but in the much I will place you. In the little you've been faithful, in the much I will place you. See? So God sees our shortcomings, but we're going to have to stand before him on that throne and say, you know, yes, God. I, you're going to argue with God and tell him he's wrong? Who is going, the scripture tells us, who will contend with God and win? Right? You're going to argue with God that he didn't get it right? That for 20 years you sat in a pew and you did nothing with your life? And then you're going to say, well, I couldn't, couldn't, would have, shouldn't. You know, those are useless words. I could have, I should have, but you didn't. Right? Useless words. So what are we going to tell God? What are we going to tell God? And the way that you stay connected in the path, not only of your potential, but of ministry, if you know that you have a calling from God, oh my goodness, you better be connected to God. You better be connected. Do you think that these priests that served in the temple only showed up clothed in linen? Ah, ah, I'm here to do the sacrifice. That's it. Let me get the gloves on. Don't want to get no blood splattered on me. Don't want to have to do any other work. No, let me tell you, they did sacrifices, but I'll tell you one thing, those priests had their hands very much connected in everything that happened within that temple, because that's part of it. So if you're seeking ministry, you know where you need to start? I'm going to tell you where you need to start. Cleaning the house of God. That's where you need to start. Pulling out that mop, pulling out that broom, dusting Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You need to start there because that's where you begin to have a respect and awe 
for the things of God is in his house where his presence dwells. Mm -hmm. Look what 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 says. But I do so much for you, God. And with one hand we're doing and with the other hand we're complaining about it. We're doing and complaining. Doing and complaining. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15 says, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Oh, yes. It's going to be put to the test of fire. If anyone's work, which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So definitely, after we come to Christ, we are not saved by our works but we are rewarded through our works. And so therefore, some of us will have gowns, right? And some of us will have robes. You're going to see, you see that. You see that if you look and dig. And God will place us and reward us based on what we did for the kingdom. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I hope you're catching this. Whatever you do for God, you do it with the right heart. Your heart has to be in it. Your heart has to be engaged. Look what I have some notes here about that. Let me tell you what I wrote here. The things that prayer can do. It says only prayer can do anything and everything that God can do. Only prayer can do anything and everything that God can do. So we have to have a life of faith. And as we pray, we believe that what we pray for, God is able to do. Because our prayers to him, our prayers go fueled with the fire of God and the power of God to do anything and everything that God can do. Now, why are some of our prayers not answered? One possibility is that we pray one time and we expect a quick response. And there's times that God is going to give us a quick response. And there's times that God is going to say, I'm going to tarry on this one a little because there's something that we learn through the process that we go through. And one of them is persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. You can't pray one time and then say, ah, I pray God didn't answer and I move on. Persistence in prayer. And as we pray, we come to the realization that God has this whole situation in control. And whichever direction he takes us, he gives us the peace of God, which the Bible says surpasses all understanding. Well, how can I be in peace in the midst of all this disaster going on around me? How can I be in peace 
in the disaster of my marriage, the disaster going on with my kids, the disaster in my job. God gives us a peace that goes beyond our understanding when we pray to him with consistency. Don't just come and pray on Sundays when you come here. Make it part of your everyday. The way that you have to eat and drink every day, you should be praying every day to God. Open up with some thanksgiving. How about starting with thanksgiving before we start with the list of all the wants we have? Come to the Lord first with praise and thanksgiving. How does our Father start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm. Mm. You begin and you end with thanksgiving and praise. That's how, you, that's, that's how we pray. We begin and we end with thanksgiving. Mm. If you have nothing else to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. If you can't think of what to pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. You're going to get revelation just from hearing the Lord's Prayer. When I think of Jesus in Gethsemane, right? In Gethsemane, he knows he's going to be taken shortly. And instead of running around like a chicken without a head, he goes into prayer mode. It's coming. The worst is coming. He knows it. He has a time to the millisecond. And he's praying. And he's asking God. Comes to that end verse where he says, not my will, but let your will be done. Right? Now, what happened to Jesus? How many times did he go back to the disciples? They were snoring. Oh. Can you pray with me a little while? He wakes them up. They shake up. Oh, okay. We're supposed to pray with him. He goes away, and they fall back asleep. And so this tells me that I have to have a, a prayer life that is dependent on me. That I can't let my prayer. Could you imagine what would have happened if Jesus had let his prayer, his prayers be dependent on the disciples? Would we even be sitting here? Would we even be talking about salvation? Would we have even been able to have a bridge set for us to the Father? Thank God for Jesus. If you do nothing every day, you should be thanking God for Jesus. Right? Thank you, Jesus. That he prayed to the Father, and even though he knew what was coming, and he knew it was going to be physical pain and torture, he was able to do it. He sacrificed the perfect sacrifice. Bled from head to toe on your behalf. Now, if you, if you think about even that scene of sacrifice, the stench of blood, the stench of blood, if you work in the medical field, you know that smell. There is an, a, a, an odor to blood that you recognize. And so 
to be immersed that way on my behalf, on your behalf. I know, I, don't, I know that I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that sacrifice. Let me tell you, I didn't. I still don't. But thank God that he saw something in me and he sees something in you. He sees you as the finished product. With all the messes that are in your life, with all the things that you, you know when you've let that God down, you know what? In all of that, he has looked at you and he's only seen you as the finished product. This is my son and this is my daughter. And because of that, I still hold on to them. Because I've seen the finished product. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. I'm almost done. I got one more verse. Or two. Second Chronicles. Chapter 6. Second Chronicles. Chapter 6. We were in 5. Now we're going to do 6. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant. Starting in verse 19, I'm sorry. 19 through 21. 2 Chronicles 6, 19 through 21. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea. O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you. That your eyes may be open day and night toward the house, this house. The place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. And listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people, Israel, when they pray toward this place. And listen from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When you hear, forgive. Look at Matthew's chapter 5. Matthew's chapter 5, verse 7. Matthew 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. Hmm? Matthew 5, 7. Did I write it wrong? Huh? I'm in the wrong place. I wrote it wrong. Well, listen to the verse. <laughs> then listen to the verse. I wrote it wrong on my paper. What was I thinking? Well, something. In the days of his flesh... Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, look at that little part there. Huh? Is, is this, was it Hebrews? Thank you, Nelson. Thank you, Elder Nelson. Owanda, thank you, my interpreter. Thank you. It's Hebrews 5, 7 if you wanted to look at the verse. But look what it said here. 
He cried, loud cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death. Jesus knew that God the Father was able to save him from death. But yet he didn't. He didn't. Because there was purpose in the process of Jesus' death. And we go through situations in our lives because there's purpose through the process that we go through. Yes, indeed. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I think I wrote that Matthew there because I was thinking about Matthew chapter 6. Write it down. Read Matthew chapter 6 when you get home for your daily devotional because I know there was something in Matthew chapter 6. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you see here? You're, you're, you're in supplication. You're asking God something. But even when you're asking things of God, you have thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God... I just gave you, this is a wonderful verse. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In the process that you go through, many thoughts will come to your mind that God is not listening, that God doesn't care, that God is not present. This scripture says that he will guard our hearts and our minds so when we are going through whatever process our life brings us through, we are steadfast in knowing that God is ever-present. He is ever-present. When we pray, our prayers must come from the heart. Our prayers must come from the innermost part of us. No superficial prayers. God knows when it's a superficial prayer. What's a superficial prayer when you're repeating the same thing all the time and you don't even have to give thought to it anymore because it comes automatic because you memorized it. Scripture says God doesn't want repetitious prayer. He wants what comes from the innermost part of us, from our hearts, from the depths of our souls in order for it to be acceptable. Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. And that is the key to our being able to access divine treasures from God. Our prayers are able to ask, to seek, and knock. Your prayers will do that. Anything we ask in the name of Jesus will be given to us. Anything we ask in the name of Jesus. Okay? Let us bow our heads and let us pray. Amen.
This was what was in Matthew chapter 6. While you have your head bowed, I'm going to read you the verses. Matthew 6, verse 23 and 24. I'm sorry, 33 and 34 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, it's his own trouble. Wonderful verses. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful this morning for your presence. We're thankful, Lord, that your presence continues to rest with us and give us that peace. And give us that calm that we need so much in our lives these days. Thank you, God, for your presence and the gift of your presence. We pray, O oh Lord, that we begin to develop a passion for your house, for your altar. Lord, that we become very deliberate in wanting to present before you incense, Lord that our prayers may go up with incense and they be a pleasing aroma to you. We pray, oh Lord, that our hearts may be opened to you, Lord, to hear your word, to move in your word, not only to be hearers of your word, but let us be doers of your word. Let us practice kingdom now and here. We pray, Lord, that we may be the vessels that others need to hear about you that they may also feel compelled to pray and talk to you and have conversations with you, whether it's day, afternoon, or night. Let us feel compelled to want to spend a few minutes even just talking to you and thanking you for your goodness. Let us feel compelled and urged, Lord. Feel the urgings from within us, from deep within the wells that you've placed in our lives. Let us feel the rumblings of the waves and let us feel the need to come before you and present ourselves. Even when we've messed up, Lord, especially when we've messed up. Let us bring our prayers before you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You know, I was just thinking a little bit about the sin offering. And the sin offering was given for those sins that we may have done with our thinking, with our thought. Sins that we may have done, we didn't intend to sin, but we did. So there was even provision. God made provision for everything. He even made provision for our sins that we do not intentionally, but we do because, you know what? They're routine to us. We do them all the time, so they just come normal to us. God, make us more sensitive to the sins that we may do in our lives, that we can see it for what it is. Right when we're going to put our hand to it, we see it, and we pull back. Right? Make us sensitive to our sin, oh Lord. Right? Amen. 